Okay. Okay. Do you have any shit buckets? Yes. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Ian Mayer, Peter Johnson, Father, and I'm Hazel Burton. On our show today, we'll be discussing the new projects recently announced by Disney, including new Star Wars films and shows, and what's next for Marvel. We also have a Who Am I quiz, where the nerds will have to guess the actor from a series of cryptic clues. So let's start our show. I was a bit with the way you said I'm Hazel Burton in kind of a very, like you were trying to convince us way. <laughs> like, and I'm Hazel Burton and not a scroll. <laughs> Do you need a series of cryptic clues to prove who I am? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's in your car boot? <laughs> um, an Australian. <laughs> Uh, that will do, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, first show after New Year. Happy New Year. How was everybody's Christmas? Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever actually cooked a Christmas dinner. How did that go? It was it was okay, actually, yeah. We managed to get the timings more or less all correct. What, you did it on Christmas Day this time? Oh, we did, yeah. I mean, previously we've done it sort of three weeks in advance just to be short, and then it's been quite cold when we've actually... <laughs> <laughs> My grandma used to make roast potatoes like that. By the time you got them out of the oven, they were just this charred, blackened mm-hmm. shape. I've learned turkey takes a lot less time to cook than I expected. Big turkey crown, one hour, 40 minutes. Amazing. And how are you feeling, John? Are you all right? Um, yeah, I mean, turkey's <laughs> supposed to be pink and cold, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you are broadcasting from the toilet right now, aren't you? I, I, I've not left the toilet in the uh, eight days. I'm on the eighth day of Christmas and none of the gifts have been what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> It's the gift that keeps on giving. Is. Oh, dear. is there a theoretical limit to the number of mince pies you can eat? Nope. I spent much of the year not eating carbs and I'm on sugar right now. And let me tell you, it's fantastic. I've lost 50 pounds this year and I think I put it all back on in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. And well done. <laughs> That's definitely the way to do it. Yeah. I learned to cook mince pies for the first time this year at the grand old age of 35. It's my... Well done grandmother's uh, recipe and they are so good that my granddad used to invent reasons as to why myself and my brother couldn't eat them i.e they were poisonous they were stolen <laughs> and he used to just like make up these fantastical reasons why we couldn't eat them they were that good and yeah i think i did a pretty good job at honoring her legacy fantastic by eating them all where else oh um in the post <laughs> they're poisonous Peter and they've been stolen oh okay that explains it I'm alone in not liking mince pies I think aren't I no you're not alone John I've said this to me so many times what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> two things about pies one pies super savoury Mm-hmm. And two, if you go in a pub and you order a pie and you get a fucking bowl of meat with a bit of pastry on top that's not a pie that's true that is that's correct true. yes a pie needs yeah. a side and a base yeah. not unless we get to keep the bowl which they get very funny if you take the bowl with you. <laughs> What's the best thing anyone's ever stolen from a pub or restaurant? Um, a lap tray. So, you know, one of those like trays with a cushion underneath so you can put it on your mm. lap. Stolen one of those from uh, M- Mr. Lynch's, which doesn't exist anymore, so it's fine now. Does Mr. Lynch's not exist anymore? I mean, not that I've been there in 15 years, but... <laughs> it's the holy hobo now. Mm. <laughs> I met Biz from the Happy Mondays at Mr. Lynch. He was DJing. <laughs> And you know, you get these celebrity DJs that sometimes just bring like a CD and push play on it. Yeah. Uh, he didn't even bother to do that. He actually <laughs> brought his son with him who actually did the DJing. Well, Bez just stood next to him and danced and just shouted, Manchester, North Shields, <laughs> Manchester, North Shields, over and over again <laughs> for, for, for two hours. Um, but I met him briefly afterwards and it was a delight. <laughs> so what's the best thing you've ever stolen from a pub, John? A barmaid? <laughs> I've stolen a um, a full Guinness bar pump with the uh, lights up <laughs> pint of Guinness on the front. Okay. And where is it now? Uh, it's still in the house somewhere, I think. It's either in the house or my parents' garage. 
what do you what do you do for a living again, John? Um, I, I, um, no, 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 no comments. <laughs> I showed it to my dad. He was disappointed in me briefly, and then um, helped me rewire it so it would light up. <laughs> and it was in my bedroom for a long time as a as a, as a like a bedside light. Nice. So I'd like to apologise to the miners' arms in Garforth Leeds um, for one New Year's Day waking up without a Guinness pump. Wow. <laughs> How about um, any nerdy Christmas presents? Ooh. Did we do we have a good haul? Yes, I received the Spider-Man Miles Morales game for PS4, which is excellent. Ian's putting his thumbs up at the moment. It's loads of fun swinging around New York, sorting out criminals, and occasionally progressing with the story if I mm-hmm. feel like it. So mm-hmm. It's great. Is it a big step up from the first game, or is it just just a reskin? Miles has got different abilities to Peter Parker mm-hmm. and it's got a little bit of a different feel because he's a different character, but it's the same city. It's still New York, but it is Christmas time. So there's lots of snow. Uh, if you want to swing around Central Park as snow falls from the trees and things like that, I imagine it might be a different experience playing on a PS5 because of all of the upgrades that come with mm-hmm. that. But on PS4, I don't want to say it feels like more of the same because that sounds negative, but it's more of the same in the best possible way. Because I've heard it's more of a um, posh DLC than a game in itself, which may be a bit unkind to it. And we're kind of waiting for it to pop into the sales a little bit. It's a little unfair to call it a reskin. It's a definite improvement on what was already a very, very solid game. And the narrative work is superb. It's um, a superb story with very likable characters, which is really tricky to pull off. Um, I've been thoroughly impressed with it. And how long would you say it is? Quite a personal question, John. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's quite as expansive as the original game. I think I'm around 40-45% of the way through it, and that's after a week of playing. I don't know whether it's a Red Dead style, this is going to take months, but I have a feeling for story purposes, it's as long as it needs to be. Excellent. I, I I played the Avengers game that Daniel very kindly, well, I say Daniel very kindly posted, posted down to me. <laughs> Disposed of. Mm-hmm. How many aimless goon robots have you smashed through before you got bored? I, I've got to the point where Tony Stark is having to get rid of four reactors in a room and hundreds and hundreds of identical robots just keep punching me in the face. Hmm. Not wanting to blow smoke up Mr. Mayer's ass, but Ubisoft and Insomniac Games, who do Spider-Man, and obviously Rockstar, seem to do these open-world games much better than anybody else in the way of creating a nice, real, full world where there's a lot to do in it, but you never lose track of the story and you never feel like you're just grinding aimlessly, which I I felt I was doing very early on in the Avengers. The playability and the world-building of Assassin's Creed just makes the Avengers look terrible. The Ubisoft model of open world games is one that a lot of people have copied. And the criticism of it is a lot of Ubisoft games feel the same because they Mm -hmm. use very similar systems, but nearly everyone has copied those systems. So they're definitely doing something right. Yeah, uh, Amy loves the Assassin's Creed games uh, over the past six months. She sunk in, I think, something like 100 hours on Origins and is currently staying up till about two in the morning every night playing Valhalla. Mm -hmm. And I don't (laughs) think that'll change anytime soon. Excellent. (laughs) So what other nerdy Christmas presents did people receive this year? I got some lovely Mandalorian socks with little, little logos of everything on them and a little yeah. child on one and a little bow bell on another one. I got some invisible drums. They were fun. Uh, yes, very useful. I got, I got an invisible sports car. <laughs> <laughs> All my presents are invisible because they're still with my family and I didn't get to see them. Oh, <laughs> oh. Oh are you just going to leave that there with no context? Invisible drums, that's a thing. Uh, well, they're, they're, they're drumsticks you just play in midair. They have like motion sensors, so they know where you're hitting. Oh. So if you hit in front of you, you get a snare drum. If you hit to the left, you get a hi-hat. Good fun. It's kind of like um, a sort of rock band type thing, except you don't need to keep a massive plastic drum kit in the corner forever <laughs> on the basis that you might be playing it sometime soon and never do, which is what happened with my rock band drum kit. Mm. Well, I, I was very excited to receive an authentically signed Chris Hemsworth 
poster. It has been signed by him. It has been touched by him. And wow. yes, I, I have licked every single corner. Um, <clears throat> yes, that was is, that was that was awesome. Is that not what you get him doing all the time in the boot? There's a little money making opportunity mm. you're missing yeah, there. How he earns his keep. That's not what I get him doing all the time in the boot. <laughs> no. Is this um? Is this the time we have to gently break it to Hazel that Jurassic Park is a fictional film and she can't recreate Chris Hemsworth from the DNA samples <laughs> within the poster? <laughs> Damn, I bought all the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know I've got a couple of things. Um, one of them is um, the great book, I'll show you, uh, the great book of badass women. Uh, oh. So this is 15 fearless women who have changed history. So we've got stories of people Not like... Not women with terrible asses. <sighs> I feel you might have missed the point of this Peter, book, you Peter. Should, you should read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Frida Kahlo, Billie Jean King, but also um, quite a few stories of women who have been largely overlooked in history. So uh, I really, really look forward to reading that. Um, but my favourite present, I think, was Ian Mayer watching Hamilton for the first time and enjoying it. <laughs> oh, yay! Um, I, I... Oh, smooth. Segue. Join us, tell us. In the history of Nerdfest, there has been two things which have been talked about more than any other. <clears throat> One is Hamilton, who has been championed by Hazel and Dan. And the other is Mandy, which has been championed by Mr. John Farthing. Now, I think I'm the only person other than, uh, you know, the, the champions of these who've, who's watched both. I've been mean about musical theatre before. I don't particularly mind it. I do it for comic effect, but I've never found it particularly deep. Hamilton changed that for me. I thought it was a remarkably well-told story. It made me cry, and I've, I've come up with a new definition of art. Art is something that makes you cry in a good way. Mm -hmm. I was amazed at how good it was. I was amazed at how relentless it was. It doesn't pause. It doesn't break. It goes from one number to the next to the next. Non-stop, in fact. <laughs> I <laughs> thought the characters had arcs. I thought the performances were amazing. I thought the staging was amazing. Yeah, it's now amongst the things... I really like, and I'll revisit it, and I may actually revisit more musicals. So that's it. It also gets better the more you watch it. Yeah. Uh, enough about Mandy. What do you think about Hamilton? Yeah, so <laughs> this is something I actually wanted to bring up with the group, and I, I kind of wanted to do it before John arrived. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think as we're going into 2021, for safety, John's opinion privileges need to be revoked. <gasps> because <laughs> Mandy... Is an abomination. <laughs> it's a crime against art and God of life. It's, 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 I've never seen anything so willfully, carefully terrible. It is, it, it commits the mm. ultimate sin. It's just unbearably tedious. Don't watch he it. He fights a tiger. We need to put an end to John's reign of terror. John, I propose to the council that your opinion privileges are revoked. I got a lovely message from Ian after he watched Monday. Um, it said, I think it said, um, I feel like I know you slightly more and like you slightly less. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've devised a very quick quiz. It's very simple. I have three well-known actors and you just have to work out who they are from a series of clues and facts about them. So what you'll need to do is just buzz in at the point at which you think you know who it is. But you have to be sure because if you get it wrong, you are eliminated. You have blown your load too early and it's all over for you for that round. But the incentive for buzzing in early is you get more points. So if you buzz in on fact one and get it correct, you'll get five points, four points after two facts and so on and so on until one point uh, after five facts. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Do we need individual buzzing noises? Yes, please. Because um, if you both buzz in at the same time, it's the person who buzzes in first who gets the chance to answer. So you can buzz in with your name or you can buzz in with an amusing noise. What do you choose? I may go for buzz. Okay. I'm going to buzz in with not the bees. Okay. <sighs> Bing. Charles Dance. <laughs> Is that your answer? <laughs> if any of these actors turn out to be him, I'll get in there really early. So three rounds, three actors. Are you ready? Yes. 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 Number one, I'm an Avenger. Anyone want to buzz in? Nope. Okay. Patrick Martin, isn't it? Number two, as well as an actor, I'm also a director. 
Nope. Okay, number three. I started acting when I was a child. Buzz. Ian. Brie Larson. Incorrect. You're out, Ooh. Ian, I'm afraid. I think I know, but I'm going to wait for the next clue. So for two points, number four. I'm starring in a new movie in which I play a character who was born in the Soviet Union and trained to be a Russian spy. Bing. Peter. Scarlett Johansson. Correct. Uh, no, two points for Peter. If you needed it, the fifth fact would have been I provided the voice of a sentient computer operating program in the film Her. Peter is currently leading with two points, but it can all change. Number one, I think my own name sounds like a fart in the bath. Buzz. Ian. Edward Woodward. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ian, you've blown your load, you're out. But he does, and he does. Johnny Farpens. <laughs> Number two. Not the bees. John? Is it the little known Serbian actor, Christoph? <laughs> <laughs> that is also unfortunately incorrect. So, Peter and Dan, you are only the only two left in this round. Fact number two. I received a master's degree in classical acting for the professional theatre at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Nope. Fact number three. As well as TV shows and blockbuster movies, I also act in West End plays. Okay. Fact number four for two points. I play a famous detective. Charles Dance. Benedict Cumberbatch. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, yes. The uh, the fifth fact, if you would have needed it, is I provided the voice and motion capture for the villainous dragon Smaug in the Hobbit movies. I am Benedict mm. Cumberbatch, and I sound like a fart in the bath. But um, Has anybody ever had a fart that went, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> Presumably Benedict Cumberbatch, because that's well. what he said about himself. <laughs> but Edward Woodward, come on! <laughs> yeah, it's a good answer. <laughs> How long is his fart? <laughs> What's he eating? Maybe maybe your turkey dinner. Yeah. It's mean, astonishing fart. <laughs> okay, so going into the last and final round, uh, Dan has got two points, Peter's got two points, Ian and John, because they buzzed in too early, are, have got no points, but you can still grab this with five points or four points or three points. So... Fact number one, I became a millionaire before the age of 18. Not the bees. Oh, God. Yes, John? Is it um, famous underage porn oh actress, <laughs> Tracy Lords? John? No, what? it's not. <laughs> you are out. Damn it. I think I know as well. <laughs> Number two, I'm the only actor to gross $100 million domestically with eight movies in a row. Um, still one of two choices. Ooh, okay. For three points, as well as an actor, I'm also a Grammy Award winning performer. And I first won a Grammy in 1989. Bing, Peter. Daniel Radcliffe. Incorrect. Daniel Radcliffe. You were the Buzz. Ian. Will Smith. Correct. Woo! Ian takes it with three points. I was sure it was um, Hermione Granger. <laughs> For some reason, that's why. I... What? So that's Emma Watson. It's not Daniel well, Radcliffe. Yeah. <laughs> I then went blank on Emma Watson's name, which is why I said Daniel Radcliffe in this case it was him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> The other facts about Will Smith, um, number four would have been Barack Obama has tipped me to play him in a biopic uh, if it ever gets that made. Definitely wouldn't be a Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> no. Uh, and number five, if you can't find me, maybe you should look in West Philadelphia because on the playground is where I spend most of my mm -hmm. days. Ah. Well, congratulations, Ian. You just... Blew his load way too early on two occasions, but right at the last minute, he stormed in with three points. To why take why it. can't well Daniel Radcliffe play Barry Kapama, MPA? <laughs> in what is known as the reverse Hamilton. He's too tall. <laughs> So 
So now we're going to discuss our thoughts on the new announcements made by Disney on their investor call just before Christmas. Many, many new projects, particularly in the Star Wars Lucasfilm and Marvel Cinematic Universe franchises, some of which we're more excited by than others. But nevertheless, uh, what struck everybody most in terms of where where Disney's going with these new projects? Um, the animated reboot of I Spit on Your Grave, I think, is going to be interesting. <laughs> right. But that's, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Anyone other than John. <laughs> uh, lots of focus on Disney Plus and streaming, at least in the short term. Yeah. Which That's their core business now, I think. Yeah, it's probably a response to not knowing when US cinemas are going to be fully operational mm-hmm. again. There's still some exciting cinematic stuff coming up. Pixar films like Luca and Turning Red and Encanto, which sounds like it could be on the Moana scale of Disney animation quality. That's the Lin-Manuel Miranda one, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. But at least for the next year or two, we're going to be watching most of their output Mm. on our home screens rather than on the big screen. It is interesting, though, that they they made, like, explicitly come into theatres quite a few times. So I think whilst there is a lot of streaming stuff coming, I think they were emphasising the importance that some stuff will still be coming to the theatre, which I think is maybe a, a bit of a reaction to the Warner Brothers HBO. They seem to be doing that also, though, to give um, credibility and try and make the streaming series more important by saying there are connections. Mm. Spider-Man and Doctor Strange into WandaVision and all linking together. So you'll need to watch them all. <laughs> that's, what well, that's what they're hoping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's 10 Star Wars series, 10 Marvel series and 15 Disney and Pixar animation series that will make their debut on Disney+. Plus. So definitely their their core focus, I think, is uh, hopefully this pandemic uh, comes to its close this year. Interestingly, they described Falcon and the Winter Soldier as like a six-part movie. Yeah. So there they seem to be blurring the line a bit more mm. between what was yeah. the TV show and Which not. Which looks great. Yeah, from yeah. the trailer, it looked on the level of The Winter Soldier or any of the Captain America films. It looks vast yeah. and epic yeah. and it's got Enfys Nest from Solo in it mm-hmm. as one of the baddies, which is great. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that after seeing the trailer. I guess like yeah. six episodes, 45 minutes an episode is not that much longer than a, a three hour movie. Like a movie and a half? Yeah, I can see what you mean. Mm -hmm. And it's nice that they're doing a lot of these series, both with Marvel and with Star Wars, it seems, as limited series. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking this could run for eight seasons and we'll run out of ideas by season three. It looks like they've got a story, which is Mm -hmm. longer than a movie, that they can split episodically, and it's a complete arc. They're Mm -hmm. not going to try and stretch it out for a decade or anything like that. I wonder how much of that, though, is also that they're getting the original stars in there. You're not going to get Tom Hiddleston to sign up for an eight-year-long Loki series, but you'll get him to do 10 episodes. But a lot of that is how this sort of streaming-based stuff is going compared to US network television. I think that's one reason TV is so much better now than it was maybe Mm -hmm. 10, 20 years ago as well, is they're not looking for just something to fill up an hour of everyone's time once a week tell the story the length it needs to be to tell that story properly rather than just being a fast food equivalent of entertainment i was watching the disney announcements and my first thought was begun the content wars have we are now (laughs) moving from this period of peak tv into something else on disney plus just the like the live action action marvel shows and the live action star wars shows that's like one a week for how long? You know what I mean? It's, mm. Everyone only has so much time in the week. It is to dominate that time. I really think there is a cynical mm. but clever approach to getting this stuff done. And the wealth of talent they've got behind it is just yeah. ridiculous. It was 50 quid for the first year, which mm. is now coming to an end. And other than Mandalorian, there's not very much original content on there at all. And there's only so many times you can watch the Star Wars and Disney films I mean, I've got yeah. my money's worth just from Hamilton alone. Yes, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> compared to the likes of Netflix, mm. which are chucking out 400 original shows every 48 hours, <laughs> Disney Plus seemed to be taking it a bit slower and relying mm. on that huge back catalogue. And it looks like the next couple of years is when they're going to ramp yeah. up the game and back that up with yeah. new stuff. They are putting the price up in mm. March. 
by a dollar in the US, uh, which makes me wonder actually, does anyone know? Does that mean if you're going to get the year subscription, you should do that before March and that way you get a full year at the same price? Yes, because we're going up to £7.99 from £5.99, I think in March or in February even. Mm-hmm. It's something that's been not overlooked a little bit, but something I'm very excited about. We're getting Disney Star, yes, which is essentially Hulu, Hulu yeah. all included in it. So we're going to get the adult stuff that they picked up when they picked up the Fox mm-hmm. deal. So Alien, Predators, Die Hard, all that kind of stuff is all going to be on Disney+. Plus. A lot of mm. Fox, a few stuff like Buffy, X-Files, all that sort of stuff. And they're going to do stuff with it as well because we're getting an Alien series. Yeah. There's the type of Alien story you can tell, which I think is going to be very, very well suited to television taking it away a little bit from horror and more into like the corporate sort of mm-hmm. politics and like the you know the the blue collar people being thrown into the grinder for corporate greed in a universe which hates you go up there it will kill you it's too cold it's full <laughs> of monsters it's a very interesting space for drama i think that'll work extremely well mm-hmm. speaking of fox correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think i heard anything about the progress of the avatar sequels which Disney acquired when it acquired Fox. Um, they're set to come out, I think, 2022, 2024, and 2026. And but I don't think anything... <laughs> I don't think anything was mentioned. It was a four-hour announcement. Yeah. And they even left out an entire series, which is the... Um... Shh, shh. The one we can't talk about because Hazel hasn't finished Mando Season 2. <laughs> Look at us all, all jumped in there as Peter almost spoiled a show for Hazel. How kind are we all? Yeah. Shall, shall we run through some spoilery Star Wars stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just go and like watch Hamilton or something and I'll come back. <laughs> Bye. Have fun. Don't be mean about me behind my back. Bye. 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 <laughs> Oh, thank fuck she's gone. Fuck off, John. <laughs> Hazel's left the meeting because she's still working her way through the second season of The Mandalorian and doesn't want anything spoiled when we talk about the many, 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 many new Star Wars series that are coming out, mm. including at least three offshoots of The Mandalorian. So we've got the Ahsoka series mm-hmm. after Rosario Dawson's appearance in season two, which presumably will be her off searching for Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is very exciting. There's Rangers of the New Republic, which I reckon will probably focus on those little cryptic hints that the likes of Moff Gideon were dropping about the emergence of the First Order from the Ashes of the Empire. Mm. And then we've got the Book of Boba Fett, which I don't really know what that's going to be about, because he got quite a happy ending in that mm. post credit scene. That scene was brilliant. I loved that. That was It was pure ultimate fan service, but I I really loved that to see Bib Fortuna there again. And Yeah, I'm a massive Bib fan. He was one of my favourite action figures when I was little. He's, he piled the pounds on though, hadn't he, since he was in charge? I've got a theory about the book of Boba Fett. I think the strength of The Mandalorian was it was a very simple concept. You know what I mean? This kind of like lone wolf and cub idea. It was very much in the mould of Saturday evening TV shows like Knight Rider or The A-Team. We're even going back to something like Kung Fu. You know what I mean? You get a simple story every week. person wanders from place to place, solves a problem, wanders on to the next thing at the end. Exactly. The Book of Boba Fett, I think we already know what it is. I think we've seen it in the show. Boba Fett had um, a little wrist display that proved his armor belonged to him i think that's the book of boba fett i think it's the book of his debts it's what he owes and what people owe him and we're going to see week by week him trying to address this mm-hmm. it gives him a code he can still be a criminal i i think that's gonna i think that'll work it does so sound really, a bit my like name is my boba name. is that what you're suggesting <laughs> there you go i love me and pico with the exact same joke at the same time <laughs> <laughs> so i was seeing it more like Point blank, a criminal with either debts owed to him or debts he owes. Mm. And I, I can see Robert Rodriguez, who's helming the series, I, that feels like fertile territory for him. And uh, yeah, I think that'll work. Well, I know people were going crazy for that last episode of season two, but all I could think as Luke took Baby Yoda away was, we know what happens to all of Luke's Jedi students. They all die. This is a death sentence. And it made me quite sad, but maybe not in the way that the episode mm. wanted me to. I think we're going to see a Jedi Academy, I think it'll be an animated series. That time frame between um, Jedi and The Force Awakens seems mm-hmm. really unexplored, and there's a lot of interesting stuff to be had in there, and a lot of use of legacy characters. 
that's going to be the next big area that they mine. They're working in like time zones, aren't they? So we've got this kind of just post original trilogy mm-hmm. time zone, which is, you know, which Mandalorian's in, which Boba Fett's in. Yeah. Do we think that the announced Lando series is going to be in that same time frame? Or do we think they're going to go back to Donald Glover and we might get a stealth bit of solo follow up with Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul with young Lando being all cool with his capes? possibly framed by Billy D. Williams just telling mm. stories in a cantina in his old age. I think we might get a full Billy mm. D. Williams series. He seemed to be fairly up for it. People seem much more excited at the idea of Donald Glover. He was one of the best things in Solo. I'd be more than happy to have him back. Mm. And like we were saying, if it's a limited series, they yeah. might get him for eight episodes. The Star Wars TV announcement which stood out for me, and it was only when I read about it afterwards, was um, Acolyte. Yes. Which is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it's set in like the brand new Star Wars era, which is the High Republic. Mm. You know, a thousand or so years before the events of uh, like even the prequels. It's about 300 years before. I haven't read any of the High Republic books yet, but they have some legacy characters still Ooh. appearing in that. So middle-aged Yoda okay. will be appearing as part of the Jedi Council wow. in the High Republic and uh, a couple of other Jedi Council members that I'm sure you're aware of. Oppo Rancisis, who was a big snaky guy with a beard in The Phantom Menace, and everybody's favourite uh, long-necked Quirmian, Yarael Poof. Oh, Yarael. I haven't seen him in ages. That sounds like a character in a carry-on movie. <laughs> he, he was only in The Phantom Menace, so clearly he was a young man in the High Republic and an old man by episode one's end. But yeah, Acolyte sounds really, really interesting because a lot of what they've said about the High Republic is it's not going to be the Jedi and the Sith, and the Jedi will be fighting a bunch of space pirates called the Nile. Hey. Hazel's back. We've finished our Mando spoilers. Hey, Hazel. Hello. Yeah. Did you have fun? You've joined us just in time to talk about Hayden Christensen's return to Star Wars in the Obi-Wan series. Oh, a highlight, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the Obi-Wan series, especially if he's going to be fighting Vader before they meet again and he fights Vader in episode four. There's some discussion, though, that it kind of makes sense because he talks about him being more machine than man and there's nothing in episode four to say that they didn't cross paths again doesn't he say i haven't seen you since that big fight where i beat your ass but it's obviously gonna have a big fight in it whatever yeah i think he just says a presence i've not felt since and it's dot 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 i don't think he specifies when Mm. since was so it could be since three weeks ago when we had a fight on tatooine for all we know (laughs) fair enough and you know i don't think luke skywalker's it's not that well hidden is it certainly princess leia is not hidden at all we're definitely going to find out how Obi-Wan came across his very cleverly disguised alias of Ben. <laughs> Old Ben Kenobi. I have a theory that at least some of it will be set in that period between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Because when like Hayden Christensen's introduced, they're in a lift together, lift together going, hey, do you remember all that cool stuff we did? Oh, that was great, wasn't it? And you've never seen it. Yeah. And, it, you know, in the place of actual storytelling, they just alluded to a shared path. <laughs> Yeah, it's about 10 years worth there, isn't there, between the, those first two films? Yeah, because he mm-hmm. goes from being Jake Lloyd to being Hayden Christensen in that time frame. It's quite a transition. Well, they're not going to bring Hayden Christensen back to put on an outfit and presumably have James Earl Jones do the voice. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Hayden's not busy, is he? He might jump out the chads. And he, he did play him in, the, in one of the Murph films. In the end of Sith, it's him in the outfit yeah. in foot-high boots but it's James Earl Jones doing the voice. Mm. Yeah, so that's one of the big series that's ready to get underway, I think. Mm. It's going into production in March. But one that's already been filmed, at least in part, is Andor, the Cassian Andor series Mm -hmm. with Diego Luna. Oh, yes, that looks great. I thought he was brilliant in Rogue One. Mm. I love Rogue One, and I'm excited for more of him doing Rebel stuff, and Alan Tudyk as K2SO, he's back. and. I love the look and the style of Rogue One, and I expect that's probably the first one we'll get out of these new shows. I'm intrigued by that because it'll be the story of occupation. You know what I mean? It'll be like a proper, like almost a French resistance story. It will be people in an occupied place working around the system, trying to stay under the radar, you know, hitting, running, attacking. I think there's a very fertile Mm -hmm. um, storytelling world there. 
It feels generally like they're further behind with the Star Wars stuff than the Marvel stuff. There's a lot more Marvel stuff ready to go, or at least very, very solidly planned. I do wonder how many of these are retooled films after Solo didn't do very well. Certainly Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I think WandaVision as well, were supposed to be out in 2020. Mm. If all had gone to plan, we would have had Black Widow, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Eternals, and WandaVision by the time Mm. we record this in January 2021. And Loki's ready to go as well, isn't Mm. it? Mm. Yeah. I expect there have been some changes from big screen to smaller, just because Bob Iger said a few years ago, we will be getting at least one Star Wars film a year in cinemas for the rest of our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And then Rise of Skywalker happened and they thought, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, (laughs) But we are getting at least one in the next few years, which is Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron. (gasps) Yes, I'm very excited. That little teaser for that got me right in the feels. Yeah, so she, she posted this video saying that she's long wanted to make a film about a fighter pilot uh, because that was what her late dad did. Uh, I think he died when she was very young and... She has now found the perfect script, which is Rogue Squadron. So, uh, yeah, it's got me very excited. Yeah, I like the slow reveal. So first you saw the helmet and you go, hang on, isn't that? And then you realise she's wearing an orange jumpsuit and then she's walking off the X-Wing. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First time a female director has taken on one of these films. Uh, So long overdue, but what, what a director to do it. And intriguingly set after the sequels. Is it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So clearly still some stuff going on that needs some fighter pilots to blow it up. I'm going to pronounce this completely incorrectly, so Dan put me right, but there's a... It's Yarael Poof. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> there was announced a female-centric series called The Acolyte, is that right? Yes. And it's billed as a mystery thriller set in the final days of the High Republic. Um, and it's by the same producer who made Russian Doll, Leslie Headland. Leslie Hetherland is an amazing, amazing, amazing writer and director. I am very, very excited for this one. Russian Doll was like an amazing piece of work. It's one of my favourite pieces of television in the last 10 years. Leslie Hetherland is a massive Star Wars nerd. She has been into it forever. If you listen to interviews with her talking about Russian Doll, she actually refers to like how the structure of the storytelling in the prequels. She is very, very into it. She always makes things about characters who are not quite in control of themselves. And so her handling kind of like the rise of dark forces, the rise of the Sith in an untouched bit of Star Wars lore, uh, that's the one that really excites me from Mm -hmm. the uh, Star Wars TV shows. That's pretty much most of the Star Wars announcements. There were three new animated shows, The Bad Batch, which follows on from The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a droids one. There's an anime one. And the only thing left that they didn't really announce was Taika Waititi's Star Wars series Mm. slash Mm -hmm. film slash whatever it is that they still haven't revealed anything about yet. And that's all the Star Wars stuff. I'm quite excited. I need a nap now. Uh, Briefly, I want to talk about the Marvel TV shows. Just very briefly. I know we've been talking about this for ages, but like... I got my time with Star Wars. You go for it with Marvel, (laughs) Ian. Tell us. There's two cartoons announced. There's What If, which Mm. is a very old Marvel concept kind of... You know, alternate stories. What if Wolverine was bad? What if Iron Man liked Thomas? You know what I mean? Exploring these, <laughs> uh, exploring these concepts. What if Hawkeye was good? <laughs> <laughs> and there's I Am Groot, which is being produced by James Gunn. Then there are 10 live action TV shows announced. There's so much interesting stuff here. In like WandaVision and Loki, which are two of the ones which were already produced, they're going for like multiverse stuff straight out the gate. They're going for that weird area which seems to it will tie in very specifically to like the next phase of marvel movies can you tell us anything about what owen wilson was up to in that loki trailer because owen wilson (laughs) so uh owen wilson appeared in clearly as some kind of official in the time variance uh, organization which kind of like the time police they're kind of like the men in black you know what i mean they're sort of played slightly comedically a bunch of times but they look after the time stream. They make sure things don't break down in terms of like causality is sort of broadly what they do. Now, Loki, so much multiverse shenanigans in there. We can pretty much guarantee Loki's the good guy, Loki's the bad guy, and Loki's another bad guy. There are different versions of Loki in this. We know Hiddleston plays the one we know and love. Richard E. Grant, it looks like he's playing old, oh. gnarled Loki. <gasps> now that is That would be amazing. Awesome, if it's true. So... There is a fairly recent Loki run. 
You always maintain a tone. I was going to say you lower it, but you always maintain a tone. Before the films, Loki was kind of a different character. If you go back to the very early versions, more like his kind of mythological counterpart. He wasn't sexy. He was meaner. He was murderous in a way which like the new one isn't quite. There's also going to be a female Loki in uh, played by Sofia Di Martino. It's putting these in direct like competition. It's Loki versus Loki versus Loki in a multiverse. I think this nice. could be mm. extremely interesting. We've sort of seen that stuff in Endgame. We've sort of seen this kind of timey-wimey moving around time and space sort of fighting each other in time and space. And mm. I'm intrigued to see how deep that goes because it opens up all the other films. And we've got Thor, Love and Thunder, which is due for release, I think, maybe just over a year from now. Um, yes, which, May 22. Yes, uh, as well as Christian Bale. As Gore the God Butcher. Yes. Mm. Whoever that is. Because pretentious British actors have had such a good time playing baddies in Thor movies. Is that a reference to Eccleston? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although Tom Hiddleston is a British actor who played a baddie, isn't he? So maybe I'm wrong. John, what did we say? Your opinion counts for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed, Ross. Get back in your box. <laughs> Everything has to be better. <laughs> so interesting thing about WandaVision which is everything we know who's in it we know like you know it's Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen as Vision and Scarlet Witch we know that a different Captain Marvel Monica Rumbau, who's the little kid you see in the last Captain Marvel film I knew I'd seen the name somewhere mm. in the comics Monica Rumbau is one of the Captain Marvels of which there are many is this someone from the future that character also crops up in uh, Captain Marvel 2, so it links together that way. This doesn't surprise me, as does Ms. Marvel. We're getting to um, the mm. TV show there. Yeah, the little sneak peek of that looked great. I'm really yeah, excited for oh, that absolutely. one. Oh, absolutely. The only good thing about the Avengers game was Ms. Marvel was brilliant in that. It looks like here we're going to see Scarlet Witch basically breaking reality to maintain a relationship with a dead boyfriend. <laughs> this is my summary of what's happening, yeah. and we'll have to sort that out. In Marvel comics and in the Marvel films, you generally solve problems by punching things. Now, the interesting thing about WandaVision is we don't know who's punching who. <laughs> like, we don't know who's the bad guy. We don't know any of this stuff. I'm pretty sure we'll introduce Vision and Scarlet, which is kids from an alternate reality, Wiccan and Speed, who are founding members of the Young Avengers in, in the comics. Uh, and we know it goes straight into the Multiverse of Madness, the next Doctor Strange film. This is why I think multiverse shenanigans are going to be like the core of at least the start of this next phase of Marvel. Now, of all the stuff that's announced, I'll just go through it. So we've got WandaVision, we've got the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart and Armor Wars. Are there any of those you particularly want me to talk about? Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Secret Invasion and how you think that's going to differ from the fact that I think the comic it's based on had lots of evil, nasty, nasty scrolls, but the scrolls appear to be a little uh, bit nicer in the films. Yes. Ben Mendelsohn has tell us, Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury. Now, if there's one thing I don't like about the Captain Marvel film is that it's filthy scroll propaganda. Scrolls are bad guys. <laughs> they are not nice. They're absolutely not. Secret Invasion and Armor Wars are interesting TV shows, and they're the ones named after individual stories and not characters. So that's kind of interesting to me in itself. There's been several stories called Secret Invasion in Marvel. The first one was 2008-2009, which was the culmination of like a decades-long scroll plan to take over Earth. They'd infiltrated the Avengers, they'd infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., they'd infiltrated the crime syndicates, they'd infiltrated all of these things. And many characters who we'd seen for a while in the comics were revealed as being Skrulls when Endgame was released. So we'd seen Captain Marvel and the Skrulls were established. I, I sort of had a sneaky suspicion like at least one character would be revealed to have been a Skrull. It didn't happen. They've stayed away from that. Yet. They do that in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, like two characters uh, turn out to be Skrulls. They've done infiltrator stories as well, like S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrated by Hydra, that was the story of the Winter Soldier. It can get a bit annoying that, it's a bit like Mission Impossible where they pull off the rubber mask so <laughs> often, it's ridiculous. It can, but I think this has actually got potential to be the crossover series of the new Marvel TV shows. There's so many characters in play, there's so many actors. 
There's so much interesting stuff. Well, Feige said in the call, he said, this is the biggest crossover comic event of the last 20 years. And I assume he's including Endgame in that, which was just massive. Mm. So this is even bigger. That we live in a time where these things are coming to the screen is just amazing to me. She-Hulk, she'll probably be the superhero lawyer. The casting for that of Tatiana Maslany is what makes that. So the showrunner is Jessica Gao, who's worked on Rick and Morty. There's kind of a comedic sensibility there, which fits with a certain way of doing She-Hulk, which is kind of Ally McBeal, but she occasionally like, punches dinosaurs. You know what I mean? So I think that could be like <laughs> very entertaining. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we'll watch. Now, is there another lawyer in Marvel, Ian? <laughs> don't, don't toy with me, Daniel. So, <laughs> doing Daredevil. Um, Matt Murdock, you know, the best Marvel character, is oh. also a lawyer, but I don't think we're going to see any of the Netflix show guys. There's rumours Matt Murdock's going to turn up in the new Spider-Man film, isn't there? Well, every actor alive is, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you'd bring in another lawyer character when you've got a lawyer character that you're going to be telling their tale of. Like, we know uh, Matt Ruffalo's going to be in it at least a little bit. Tim Roth is Abomination. If she ends up representing Abomination, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it could be a left field curveball, not so much the monster smashy stuff. Alan McBeal, I think, is a touchstone for that. Is it superhero Alan McBeal? Has anyone watched Alan McBeal? Because genuinely, there is some fantastical elements in there. She does all sorts of stuff with her mind. Iron Man's in it, isn't he? Uh, Robert Downey. Yes. <laughs> his kind of first role after his drugs hell. Tell us about Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. Oscar fucking Isaac as Moon fucking Knight. (laughs) Been around since 1975. He's uh, Mark Spector, former mercenary who was betrayed and nearly killed in Egypt when Honshu, an Egyptian god, basically made a deal with him to become his, like, an agent of vengeance on Earth. This is a character who operates on that weird intersection between kind of like gritty street vigilante stuff and supernatural stuff. We know nothing about this TV show beyond the quality of the cast. He often gets referenced as like Marvel's Batman. He's similarly about kind of vengeance. And this is what one of the Moonlight writers said about the difference between the characters. Bruce Wayne fights crime to avenge the murder of his parents, whereas Moon Knight beats up whoever has it coming because he believes the Avatar and an Egyptian god of vengeance, and it helps him feel better about all the people he killed when he was a mercenary. There's potential darkness in this, which I think is interesting. The way Feige described it, though, uh, he made it sound more like Indiana Jones' adventure. That's interesting. Yeah. He's got an interesting way of solving problems, Moon Knight, which is, um, in one of the stories I read, a particular area of New York um, was being haunted by violent ghosts, ghosts were attacking people on the streets. And he solved this by dressing up in an armour made of bones and going punching them. (laughs) Now that's the character I want to see on screen. (sighs) Do we want him in tombs hunting artefacts? I'm not sure. Do we think this is going to be Moon Knight encountering the Egyptian god on Disney Plus and then getting some part to play on the big screen? Because Oscar Isaac is a movie star. I don't know. Other than Show Me a Hero on HBO, he hasn't really done TV. And that's a very big name to cast if you're just going to keep him on streaming. I don't think you cast him unless you're going to put him on the big screen. In the same way, I don't think you cast uh, Haley Steinfeld in Hawkeye. Mm. These are people who can carry a film and have carried films. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely going to be a big part of the next phase of Marvel. Oscar Isaac spent Christmas with Pedro Pascal, who obviously has had huge success in TV recently. So he might have said, hey, do you want to go into TV? Because it's pretty good. Absolutely. There's a lovely picture of them celebrating Christmas together. Yeah, well, it was, it was Pedro Pascal celebrating Christmas whilst his stunt double filmed season three of The Mandalorian? <laughs> uh, yeah, one thing that surprised me with all the Marvel stuff, Ian, is we got sneak peeks of things like Ms. Marvel, which looked fantastic. We got full trailers for The Falcon and Winter Soldier and What If, but we didn't get anything about Eternals that I noticed. Were you expecting a trailer sometime around the call? I'm expecting a trailer any minute. One Division premieres on the 15th of January, I believe. Mm. Mm. That might be a nice time to drop a trailer. The Tunnels is due to come out in November 2021. Mm. Has it been filmed, though? Yes. It has. And footage has been shown. Apparently, it looks completely unlike other Marvel films. As in, if you look at things from the first three phases, there's a range of looks they have. They all fit broadly together. And apparently, this is a departure. And that's interesting in itself. Yeah, she's getting a lot of awardsy buzz for Nomadland with Frances McDormand, which mm. 
looks to me to be as opposite to cosmic Marvel as you could possibly mm. get. So I'm really, really interested to see it. But like you say, it could be that they're waiting for one division before anything drops. Is one division weekly or is it all going to come at once? Weekly. Oh. I'm kind of I'm looking forward to the TV series more than the films, and I love Marvel films. But there's a template, and the template is an hour and a half of interesting stuff, and then CGI monsters punch each other for half an hour at the end. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping the TV shows have an excuse to break out of that that format a little bit. They're taking more risks mm. in co- conceptually, which is got to be a good thing. There's more more voices, more diverse yeah. voices as well. If you look at the showrunners. Um, People from all over, lots of men, lots of women. Yeah. It's a very, you know, it's an interesting slate of people. So out of the stuff coming, do we want to each pick what we're most looking forward to? Yes. Yes. Rogue Squadron for me. Okay. Uh, the CGI musical reboot of Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> You've been hoping for that <gasps> oh, every oh, year. She- She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She-Hulk for Marvel and um, Rogue Squadron for Star Wars. Oh, do we get to pick one from each? Okay. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> what Marvel? Do you know what? I'm just so intrigued by WandaVision that I'm going I'm to pick that one because I can't wait to see what batshit ideas they've got for right. it. I'm going to pick Lucky because that looks fun. And that's mm-hmm. what I want from stuff. Mm-hmm. I want fun at the moment. <laughs> you know, um, um, you can get the first episode on a torrent now, but it's really, really slow to download. I was up all night to get Lucky. Well, oh. uh, for me, uh, Cassian Andor for Star Wars and Ms. Marvel for Marvel. So for Marvel, I'm going to go left field, actually, Hawkeye. I'm very intrigued by Hawkeye has, has a bad rep in the MCU and there's lots of better stories you can tell. There's a worse rep with John. I, I love is... a bit of Hawkeye. I want to see Ninja <laughs> Hawkeye back. Like, there's five minutes mm. when Hawkeye had swords and was a badass. and then Hawkeye with a skinhead. Yeah, and then immediately give him his bow and arrow back and to be a you know, shit Tomb Raider or whatever, I don't know. That was uh, Clint Barton being Ronin. Ronin is an alias taken on by a lot of different Marvel characters. Originally, it was a, uh, an alias given to Echo, a character called Maya Lopez. She's deaf. She has the ability to like mimic and replicate people's fighting styles. And she was Ronin in the Avengers. It's a long and complex story, as a lot of Marvel <laughs> stuff is. Now, she's also in the Hawkeye TV show. She's not in the story this I think it's based on. So this is super interesting because it also brings in another weird bit of Marvel mythos which gets lost about Hawkeye, which is he's deaf, canonically. Writers in recent years have made far more efforts to make this part of his character. He has hearing aids, he signs. Mm. It's just another facet to the character that like, a TV show can perhaps dig into interesting, in that, a way yeah. that the films can't. My problem with Daredevil, I, I realise I'm on a dodgy ground here insulting Daredevil when Mr. Mayor is already staring at me with daggers. <sighs> But in the TV show, he might as well not be blind. They've made him too capable. The way he fights and everything, and the various superpowers he has, make his blindness to him a complete non-issue. I'd prefer to see like problem solving rather than it just be like, oh well, I've got I'm like a bat, things bounce off a wall, I see them. Yeah. A friend of mine has written a book on the science of Daredevil. <laughs> a friend. A friend. Uh, <laughs> What's your what's your alias, Ian? Uh, no, my friend's name is Christine Hannafuck. She used to run a Daredevil fan site called The Other Murdoch Papers. And actually, the blindness in the TV show is taken very seriously. How he acts is amazing. He doesn't look people in the eye. He's doing a lot of things which are quite unnatural. Charlie Cox reported it was quite difficult on the next thing he was on because he was so trained to not look at people. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he fluffed his audition for Solo because he wasn't looking people <laughs> in the eye. <laughs> it wasn't treated as radar sense in the TV show. It was treated as if through a combination of his senses, he could pick up what's happening. You should be glad Daredevil is an Apple TV thing because they're doing a thing with iPhones for um, blind people. So it'll know if there's a person three feet ahead of you or if there's a person five feet ahead of you, which is going to be really useful mm. for avoiding uh, coronavirus and being too close and all that sort of stuff. But the Apple TV shows will all try and feature Apple technology where they can. So they would have Daredevil <laughs> with his little thing on yeah. his iPhone pointing at people <laughs> trying to have a fight. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Siri, any calls? Yeah. <laughs> Had you finished your thoughts about Hawkeye, Ian? Um, I'm very much looking forward to Hawkeye. I Actually, he was just picking his two favourite things. 
So my things I'm looking forward to. Hawkeye, I think it's going to be a kind of gritty, it's going to be a noirish Marvel TV show. I think Hayley Steinfeld is fantastic and I think she will kick ass. I think that's got real potential to be something that will perhaps surprise people. On the Star Wars side, Rogue Squadron sounds amazing, but I've got to go with Acolyte. Mm-hmm. Cool. How are they going to bring back all the characters that got killed at the end of the season? I mean, basically, everyone's dead at the end of season two. And Mandal- oh, shit. <laughs> <sighs> John, 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 John. Poor child. No, we can't have an opinion. He's not allowed. <laughs> Oh, don't even joke about that. Like, I want to just cradle baby Yoda and just, 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 just eat him. I just, oh. Just wait till the episodes where he has, he has biscuits. <gasps> and it's the best. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Seeing as he's, he's not here. And not particularly elephant-like, he's quite a svelte chap. But the reason you're so far behind in the Mandalorian. But you better criticise my fiancé when he can't defend himself. It's the only safe way. <laughs> So Andy has sworn off all of Star Wars since 1983. So everything that we've just discussed from the Lucasfilm canon, he will not be watching. So uh, that, I'll be doing that <laughs> myself. And trust me, there is nothing I can do to persuade him otherwise. <laughs> yeah, not even Darth Vader was beyond redemption, but <laughs> yeah, I've given up on so him. So he loved the idea that Taika Waititi is now directing Star Wars stuff. Yeah, the last episode of season one was very Taika, and I'm like, yeah, this is not what I'm going to use to try and persuade you to watch it. <laughs> yeah, he just he hates him. <laughs> it's like hating Mother Teresa. <laughs> well. <laughs> Maybe he's just heard like Taika Waititi dressed up as Hitler for laughs, and he's got completely the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, suggestions on a postcard as to uh, how we can get Andy excited about Star Wars again. Actually, you know, it's broken free, hasn't it? We should be proud of Andy because, like, you know, like, for me, Star Wars is kind of a bit like an abusive relationship where you keep going back despite being hurt, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I saw Revenge of the Sith and I'd already seen Attack of the Clones and I went back for more just in the hope that they'll change and occasionally you, mm-hmm. you'll get a rogue one. Star Wars was based, at least in part, on like Flash Gordon and the, the weekly serials mm. that are quite simple and quite bold, very much pitched at a certain level. Mandalorian's got as clear a vision as that. Mm. It is nostalgic, but like the heavy list, lifting isn't nostalgia. It's just a very like well-executed concept, and it's uh, surprised me greatly. To be fair, even if Mandalorian Season 3 is just an extended clip of that little video of Robert Rodriguez playing his guitar while Baby Yoda nods <laughs> along on his rock, I will watch it because that was the greatest 18 seconds of Christmas well, for me. The best thing about yeah. the Mandalorian for me is that Werner Herzog now is a Funko Pop, which is something I thought I would never see in my lifetime. Everyone's a Funko Pop. There's three versions of me. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see that Werner Herzog's family gave him a Baby Yoda for Christmas? One of his kids posted on their Instagram their video call for Christmas and he's holding a baby Yoda <laughs> while he talks to his kids. Oh, wow. He loves that thing. He called it heartbreakingly mm. beautiful. <laughs> I've just realised Funko Pop Werner Herzog could technically turn up in Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> you realise you are not real people. You are just for similes. Your life is pointless and empty. That's kind of what Forky did in Toy Story <laughs> 4, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> Existentialism. Before we all go and say our goodbyes, I just want to thank uh, Hazel and Daniel thoroughly for recommending Hamilton. You were vocal in championing it. I'm very glad I watched it. I think it's superb. John, Mandy, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. Um, Our fan club subscription is £15 a month, so I'll Mm -hmm. send you the details. Shut up, John. You enjoyed it. Yes. I I think I posted something (laughs) very nice about it on our private message group. I'm not going to do it in public. Doesn't sound like you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a scroll it's conclusive proof it's really good and that brings us to the end of another Nerdfest episode thank you so so much for listening you can check us out on social media we're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook and if you have the time and inclination, it would be awesome if you could leave us a positive review wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, John has a reward for anyone who does that. What is it today, John? I will ghostwrite your autobiography and sell a scandalous serialisation to the Mail on Sunday and then split the money with you. 
<laughs> awesome. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, you've been listening to... A man who will be playing more Spider-Man after this is finished. Someone who is more mince pie now than man. <laughs> a man who doesn't know where he's going to find the time to watch all this good stuff. A man who's hoping the Hawkeye TV show begins with somebody said, where's Hawkeye? Someone else says, I don't know. And then they just carry on and have interesting adventures. <laughs> <laughs> and a woman who very much wants to be part of the Rogue Squadron. Please, Patty Jenkins, please, 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 please. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Fifty-two things they announced. Really? Including the Johnny Shipbucket yeah. series. <laughs> I'm very sad that I don't have my own limited edition series on Disney Plus. It's only it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Emphasis on limited. I mean, I've got yeah. four on Amazon Prime, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Johnny Shipbucket's food show. Shipbucket. Yeah, where he goes to notoriously bad restaurants and takes yeah. Phil with him out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> it's imagine somebody feeds Phil where I feed Phil out of a bucket and the twist out no <laughs> you monster you monster yeah. why did he go on that he's so nice why did he accept the invitation he knew the show was called Johnny Shitbuckets he signed a four season deal <laughs> he's just every too episode, nice every, every episode ends with him on the, on the laptops his parents vomiting <laughs> Somebody feeds Phil antibiotics, he's not looking well. <laughs> <laughs>